Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community practicing the way of Jesus and thirsting for the life He gives. Hi. <laughs> My name is Ian. I'm a part of the team here at Church at the Well. And like Kayla, I'd like to meet you if we have not met. Unlike Kayla, Kayla really means that deeply in her bones. She really wants to meet you. I want to meet you as well, but not as deeply as Kayla wants to meet you. She really wants to meet you. I need to kind of like work, work myself into it a little bit, you know, okay. Yes. So for the last couple of weeks, we've been in a series, Being With Jesus, and Adam has kicked us off the last two weeks, and those will be two, fantastic, two fantastically difficult sermons to follow. And the idea of this sermon comes from an articulation that our vision team, our leadership team here at Church at the Well has begun to articulate, uh, which describes the type of church community uh, we are aspiring to be and the type of church community that we believe God is calling us to be. And so uh, we have that statement here. It's broken up into three pieces. It's really simple. Be with Jesus. Become like Jesus do what Jesus did. And so uh, these three things here, if you could just keep them up on the screen for a moment, um, these three things in many ways are the answer, or hopefully the answer to, if someone were to ask you, what's Church at the Well all about? What kind of church community are you? Some friend asks you over coffee. That, I, you go to church, Church at the Well, what are they about? This is our way of trying to give articulation to that question, be with Jesus, become like Jesus, do what Jesus did. It's really simple. And as we are working out this articulation, there are a few things that I'd like to say and to remind us as well as we kind of present that. One, the articulation of this vision is not trying to force a vision or to come up with something new. Welcome to something new, something we are not as a church, but rather this comes from listening and watching listening and watching one another in community, but listening and watching and noticing how God is at work in and through our church already. How has God been shaping us and focusing our calling as a church community? And so this is the way that we are kind of describing that. Another thing that we have been saying about this vision statement is that it's aspirational. It's not, this is what we do. Um, this is what we are aspiring to do as a church community. So we haven't arrived, nor perhaps will we on this side of eternity arrive either. Also, they're kind of broken up. Be with Jesus, become like Jesus, do what Jesus did. But another important thing when we think about this statement together is there's, they're interconnected. As you are with Jesus, you become like Jesus. As you're with Jesus, you begin to notice the type of person Jesus is and the things he does and you see and you read in scripture and then you embody that. You begin to live that out. And so they're, they're interconnected. And the last thing I'd like to say about this because um, over this series and also probably forever, you'll hear us talk about practices and spiritual practices, but the goal isn't practice. The goal is apprenticeship to Jesus. The goal is relationship with Jesus. The goal is transformation, changing who we are. And so uh, the pra- there, there, you might hear us talk about 
practices, but the goal is never the practice. The goal is being an apprentice to Jesus or a disciple. Um, and so we're in a series um, looking at kind of the first of those three things. And, and f- for the next year, we're going to kind of be sitting there a bit. We'll have other series and we'll explore other things, but we're really trying to engage this idea of being with Jesus intentionally. And I'm going to open up a scripture. You might remember the scripture from our summer series, uh, Salah, so Luke 24. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to Luke 24. And, and, and when we reflected on this passage, we were reflecting on how Jesus chose to reveal himself. We're going to explore that passage again, but from a little bit of a different angle this morning. We'll start reading in verse 13. This is right after Jesus' death and resurrection, and he appears to two of his disciples who are walking along the road to Emmaus. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? And then Jesus replies, What things? It's kind of funny, right? Jesus might have been from New England. He's being sarcastic, a little sassy Jesus. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. It's almost like they completely don't get it, right? It's the third day even. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early in the morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. And he said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Jesus was continually quoting the prophets, right? I'm going to be crucified, and on the third day, and they even said, it's the third day right now. They still didn't get it. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And then the text says this, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. He explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. I'm going to skip forward a bit more. And this is, Another time Jesus appears to his disciples in the same chapter. This time he appears to his disciples who are in Jerusalem, and this is right before he leaves them. Verse 44, he said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. In other words, the Torah, the Old Testament, the Psalms, the writings, right? Then verse 45 reads this, then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He opened their minds 
so he could understand the scriptures. So the last time we looked at this passage over the summer, we were exploring the ways Jesus revealed himself, kind of talking about if Jesus were revealing himself to us, how and where and when does he do so? This morning, I'd like to focus our attention on something else in the passage, specifically how Jesus is revealed in Scripture and how being with Jesus changes the way that we read Scripture. Uh, Verse 27 and 44 through 45 again. uh, In beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the Scriptures concerning himself. So how Jesus is revealed in Scripture. And then 45, then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures, how being with Jesus changed how they understood scripture. In the second instance, if you were to read further along the disciples he appeared to in Jerusalem, um, and, and, and earlier along in, on the road to Emmaus, do you remember that, that phrase that we read over the summer When Jesus has left, they shared a meal together. They finally understood who it was that was with them. And the disciples turned to one another and said, Were not our hearts burning within us while he spoke to us? And later in, in verse 52, after he's appeared to the disciples in Jerusalem, the texts read this. This is what their response to Jesus opening their minds to understand the scriptures. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. That was their response to being with Jesus in Scripture, to Jesus opening their hearts, their minds, their souls, their spirits to Scripture, burning hearts, worship, great joy. Uh, I would love those three things to be true of my experience with Scripture with scripture. And at times, um, that is certainly an experience I've had. Uh, I I wonder if that's an experience many of you have had with scripture, burning hearts, worship, great joy. If you're like me, it's one of the experiences you've had with scripture. I I, I wonder if we were to list some of the other ways uh, we've experienced scripture as well. Maybe They would be less glamorous terms, right? Like doubt, confusion, maybe boredom when you get to some of those genealogy lists, right? We can be honest with each other. That's okay. Um, Maybe it's a feeling of inadequacy, like I'm not smart enough. I'm not equipped enough. I'm not well-trained enough to engage the Scripture. All of those responses are normal. Those are normal responses, so you can... Breathe a sigh of relief. You're not going to be shamed here for that. Uh, in fact, I've experienced all of those things at one point in my life. But I want to respond to the Bible, to Scripture, with a burning heart, with worship and great joy. That is something I long for, something I desire. And I'm sure you would want that as well, even if it's hard to imagine. Um, can I share a story with you? Um, the first time... Uh, so. I didn't, first off, I'll like reverse all the way to the very beginning of my life, and I'll take you all the way through, okay? No, Um, but I I, uh, grew up on the big island of Hawaii, and that's not relevant to the story at all, but 
Uh, I didn't grow up in a particularly religious or spiritual household. I didn't grow up going to church. And right before I graduated high school, I made a decision to follow Jesus. I visited a small church, and someone preached a message about how Jesus invites us to pick up our own cross and follow him. And someone asked me kind of point blank, do you want to follow Jesus? And I said yes, and I prayed a prayer and invited Jesus into my life, and I asked the Holy Spirit to fill me. And about a week later, I went to a bookstore. Do you all know what that is? Store with books in it. You'll have Vermonters. You love bookstores. Who am I kidding? Um, but they're a little bit rare now, right? But I went to a bookstore when they're less rare, so like a, a Borders or a Barnes and Nobles, and I got a Bible. It's my first Bible I ever owned, and I was at my friend's house, and I after I got this Bible, and there was a massive um, torrential rainstorm. I grew up in Hilo, Hawaii, and I went to college in Portland, Oregon, and people told me when I moved to Oregon, they said, it's very rainy here. Your, your mind is going to be blown, and it's so rainy, you better get like an umbrella and a rain jacket. And I was like, oh, I was really nervous because where, where I was from seemed very rainy as well. Um, I looked up, so I looked up because I was in Portland hanging out for a bit, and I was like, doesn't seem that rainy to me. It was gray all the time but it didn't seem that rainy. It's kind of just like a persistent drizzle all the time. And I looked it up, and the, the average rainfall in Portland is about 20 to 30 inches annually. And so I looked up. I was like, I wonder what my hometown Hilo is. And Hilo would have between 200 and 300 inches annually. It's the rainiest city in the U.S. And so in this storm, and we, we would get 20 or 30 inches in one particular kind of tropical rainstorm, right? And so I was at my friend's house in a rainstorm like that, and I lived pretty far away, so I decided to stay because it wasn't really safe, and there was like lightning, and it was, it was wild. And I, I don't know where my friend was, but it is, I, someone had encouraged me to read my Bible, and I was incredibly intimidated by that. It was the first time I made the decision to take my Bible, to open it up, and to read it on my own, and so I went out to the porch. I was by myself. I was reading the Bible. I probably flipped to the table of contents because I didn't know where to start. I, I felt inadequate approaching the Bible, but I prayed. I asked God's Spirit to help me read the Bible because I was, I was really nervous. And I turned to Romans because I knew the word Roman. So I just started there, and I found my way to Romans 8. I didn't know I didn't know of the word Philippians, right, um, or Colossians. Those were confusing words to me. But Romans, I, I got, and I got to Roman, Romans chapter 8, where it speaks of how all of us through Jesus are adopted children of God and spoke, spoke of God's grace inviting us and welcoming us into his family. And there's lightning, and it was actually quite beautiful and quite terrifying at the same time where I was out on the porch, but for the first time, I felt God's spirit speaking to me in that moment, burning hearts, great joy, worship were kind of like emanating from me. This morning, my hope as I continue is to highlight the importance of reading the Bible with Jesus, because we're in our series, Being with Jesus. 
And when you read the Bible with Jesus, you read the Bible with Jesus intentionally, you're reading the Bible well. And that's something that all of us can do, something all of us are invited to do and can do. You don't need to have a degree in the Bible or to have gone to seminary. You don't need to have studied Greek or Hebrew to do that. I will say this. Um, I'm going to share a quote, actually, from Abby, because Abby is the best, and a sermon wouldn't be right without an Abby Carroll quote in there. But one of the things we do at Church at the Wall is we share our notes with one another in, in the lead-up to our sermon, and typically this is not to make sure that we're not overstepping our bounds. We kind of tr- we trust one another, but this is just to help us kind of, hey, have you thought about this? Have you thought about someone who hasn't read that text before? How would you share that with them, right? It's just a way of um, ensuring that there's greater hospitality in the way that we present and share. And so um, I'm going to read a quote from the email that Abby sent, and she said this in her email to me this week. This is what you don't want to do. You don't want to communicate that people who haven't intentionally read the Bible with Jesus have been reading the Bible wrong up until now. Obviously, you're not saying that. But you'll want to be careful no one is mistakenly hearing that message. As I understand it, Jesus is always with us when we read Scripture. His Spirit is at work in and through the living Word, but we come to Him with varying degrees of openness and anticipation of meeting Him there. Boom, done. I don't need to preach anymore, right? (laughs) So good, so good. So thank you for that, Jim. Abby, I didn't rework my notes. I just put your quote there. Um, Thank you for your permission now. (laughs) I didn't ask. Also, please forgive me. (laughs) Um, But what I'd really like to explore is how do we intentionally be with Jesus as we read the Bible? Reading the Bible with Jesus, right? Because we, as Abby notes, we come to him with varying degrees of openness and anticipation of meeting him there. But what if we were to come with anticipation and a desire for burning hearts, worship, and great joy? Now, um, I'd like to take us to two parallel texts in Joshua 1 and Psalm 1. Now, a, a, a brief reminder as we do that when we read those texts in Luke 24, when it talked about Jesus opening the scriptures to them, it was, of course, the Hebrew Bible, the Torah, the Psalms, the writings, the prophets. Um, it, it even said so. And so when Jesus was referring to this, this is what we would call the Old Testament. We have a group of writings, the New Testament, right, from the apostles and the earliest followers of Jesus telling how Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. But Jesus had a great reverence for and respect for the Hebrew text. It was authoritative in his life. It was how it shaped his worldview. He used the Psalms as his prayer book, and so Jesus read the Psalms, and so the scriptures were deeply important and meaningful to Jesus. And so when we turn to Joshua 1 and Psalm 1, and we talk about this idea of reading the Bible with Jesus, um, these are ways that Jesus would have thought about reading our Bible and how to read our Bible well with Jesus. Joshua 1, verse 7 and 8. 
reads, Be strong and very courageous. These are texts that maybe some of us are familiar with. Be careful to obey all the law, or other words, Torah, my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it, and then you'll be prosperous and successful. Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Blessed is the one, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Now, if we were to look at those texts next to each other, um, which I, I believe I have a slide with them uh, running parallel to one another. There are three things that we notice in this passage I would like to highlight that help us read our Bible with Jesus or as one way of framing it. And the three, we, three ways are this. Delight in, blesses the one who delights in the word of the Lord. Meditate. So delight in, meditate, and then do. Or another way you could put that is obey. The text translates, if you read the word do or obey, it's the same Hebrew word there, just translated differently. So first, delight. As we explore this idea of reading our Bibles with Jesus, to take pleasure, to draw joy from. This word delight is the Hebrew word hepez, and it means to desire, to, desire, to like really want something. And so we're invited by Scripture as to one of the ways to engage it is to delight in. Now, I would suspect that perhaps that's not one of the ways many of us have approached Scripture. Perhaps many of us have approached Scripture out of uh, religious guilt or duty. Do you, does anyone know what I'm talking about? Yes, a few people. Um, we just don't really like have a palette for it, but Scripture invites us to delight in it. What does that mean? Um, I would say that as we think of this idea and as we are invited to engage the Bible, to read the Bible with Jesus and to begin to delight in Scripture, um, that it's a journey. It's a journey towards delight. When I first moved to Vermont, I um, started working in some fine dining establishments, and so I had some fine dining friends, some foodies, some food nerds, and we would take trips up to Montreal, and what that meant was, for me, I was trying all sorts of new food, some very uh, foreign food for the first time, food that I didn't have a palate for, like beef tartare. Anyone like beef tartare? Yes. You got to be real, though. Like the first time you have beef tartare, you're like, that's not cooked. There is an egg on that. Still, some of you are like, yeah, no thanks. Not my thing. Um, but I, uh, and also oysters. So my, my strategy with like oysters when I was out with my friends was just, just like slam it and try not to think about it like as quick as possible, right? Um, I read this article in the New York Times. There's an article about 
how they eat an oyster and enjoy an oyster. And, okay, <laughs> one of the things that they say is they're like, no, like all the oysters, they taste different. And so as you learn to enjoy them, one of the things you shouldn't do is just eat it real quick. One of the things you should do is you should chew it. And I was like, yo, no. Like, <laughs> but I was really trying to like develop, develop my palate. And here's, here's why this is important. Um, a, a friend of mine who's a Korean American, he was sharing with me that in Korean culture, no one ever says, um, I don't like that. If you're served something and you don't like it. Uh, they would say, um, I don't know how to enjoy that, or I don't know how to eat that. And so for me, that kind of like reframed how I approach and thought about um, new, trying new things. Um, Daniel Tiger sings, try new foods, because it might taste good. My daughter, Anaya, says, Dad, don't yuck my yum. So that's what Anaya says to me. Um, this is a journey towards understanding delight. So I read this article, Chewing Oyster, and I was at this restaurant in Montreal called Liverpool House. It's a really cool restaurant, and I got an oyster, and I was like, hey, I'm going to try this tip, and I chewed it, and I was like, I don't really like this. I don't really like this. This oyster might be bad. I, it's just it's all in your head, Ian. It's, it's, it's not a bad oyster. You're just, you need the mind over matter, right? And so I got through it, swallowed the oyster, had another oyster, and I was like, yep, that first oyster was definitely a bad oyster. Um, all that to say, I do like oysters now. And I didn't get sick. Hallelujah. Praise God. I was praying, God, please save me from that oyster because I knew it was bad the moment I had a fresh oyster. Uh, Misery Loves Company uh, opened a new restaurant in Winooski, Onion City Chicken and Oysters, fried chicken. You don't have to eat an oyster. My point is this. <laughs> It's, a <laughs> it's fine if you don't like oysters. My point is this. Our palates change. Um, and to learn to desire the word of God is a journey. It's a journey towards delight. So maybe you don't start with the tartare. Maybe you don't start with the oyster. Maybe you start with something deep fried, right? Something weird, but at least deep fry it, right? Start with fried oysters. Start with an oyster po' boy, right? Um, Start with the Psalms. Start with the Gospel of John. You don't have to start with Leviticus or Habakkuk chapter 2, okay? It's a journey. Uh, the, the, so that's the first thing. The second thing we get to is meditate. It's this Hebrew word, hagan. It means to think deeply or to meditate. Um, hagan. And elsewhere in Scripture, it's translated as growl over. The prophets used it talking about a lion growling over a prey. You might, uh, might be more helpful to imagine a dog with a bone, chewing on a bone, like really spending its time getting to it. Now, it is important to just like briefly note because meditate and meditation are kind of, they're, they're buzzwords, right? They're kind of like all over. We hear them, we're familiar with those terms, but the idea of meditate in scripture is much different than kind of like the Eastern or um, Buddhist type of meditation you might hear on any given day uh, walking down Church Street. And, and uh, that idea is all about emptying and looking inward. 
So that's kind of like the Eastern idea of meditate is just to empty, to look inward. You might see a slogan that says, everything you need is inside you. Um, I'm here to say that's not true. Sorry. Um, not, that there, not that there can't be benefits to um, practices of mindfulness or reflection or looking inwards, but that's not what Scripture means, and Scripture uses the term meditate. It is actually to look outward and to be filled with the thoughts of God and thoughts from God in Scripture. So it's to look outward and then to be filled in. So it's the difference... Um, that's a difference there. Also, it's important as we think about this idea of meditate that it's to, to think on, to think deeply like a, like a dog with a bone, right? To really spend some time with it. Um, that there's a difference also between Bible study and Bible nourishment. The point of Bible study um, is to understand, right? To understand the meaning, which is all good and well, but to meditate, to reflect upon um, is to get your fork and your knife out and to be nourished by Scripture, to um, spend some time with it. Um, there's a story in Revelation chapter 10 where John is receiving a prophetic vision and an angel comes to him with a scroll, which is perhaps representative of Scripture. And he, says, he hands it to John. He says, take, eat this. And John eats the scroll and, it said, and he, he says, it was as sweet as honey in my mouth. And then it reads on. It was also like a bitter gall in my stomach, right? It kind of gave him a tummy ache. Scripture can be like that. Like there are times when it's like the word that you need and there are other times you're like, you know what? I need to sit with that, wrestle with that, grapple with it a bit more, meditate. The last thing, uh, do or obey. Um, and this is this idea, it's good to know the scripture, it's good to reflect on scripture, it's good to believe in scripture, but there comes a point when we need to learn by doing, right? Learn by doing. Um, to me, this is the best way um, that you can begin to understand and know the Bible. Eugene Peterson says this about obedience. Obedience is the thing living in active response to the living God. So obedience is not just out of guilt or duty or obligation, but it's the thing living in active response to the living God. And so as we think about this last thing, reading the Bible with Jesus, we begin to learn to ask the question, not just what does it mean, but as you read, what can I obey or what can I do? This is Bible study in action. This is the best way to learn. So with that, I'm going to wrap up as we head towards communion. Um, but I do want to note that as you come up, there will be these handouts here. And these are really handy, dandy, practical ways for you to engage this idea of reading the Bible with Jesus. Because as we talk about being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, doing what Jesus did, we can't do that on a Sunday. We have to do that in our lives, in community with one another throughout the week. And so there's a handful of things here, and I'm just going to briefly go over them, and then I'm going to invite us to share communion with one another. Um, the first is, is um, the first tool there you'll see is a set of questions 
that are there to help you have honest conversations about your relationship with the Bible. And so those questions that you have, we have um, the questions here. Um, you can take a picture if you don't want to grab a handout later. If you take out your phone, you might as well register and volunteer for an event while you're doing it or a small group. Um, but um, these are a set of questions that are really intended for you to grab a friend, grab a couple friends, have coffee with them, engage these questions. If you don't have any friends, grab a journal. The journal will be your friend. You can use these as journaling questions. Or you can do both. Uh, if you don't have any friends, Kayla would love, love to be your friend, right? So um, have honest conversations about your relationship with the Bible because maybe you're puzzled, bored by it, strange language. Um, maybe you get bogged down by long, boring stories or genealogies or, or religious codes. Um, maybe you don't trust it. Um, how could this like ancient... A uh, multi-millennia old book possibly speak to the everyday realities that I'm experiencing here and now. Perhaps we see the Bible's teachings as archaic at best, or maybe like morally reprehensible at worst, right? Um, maybe we're scared of it. If we actually decide to read it, what questions might arise? What new doubts will I have? What will be asked of me if I take it seriously, right? Uh, maybe, or perhaps the Bible's been weaponized against you and you fear that it could happen all over again, right? And so we all have different relationships. But if we look at the life of Jesus, we see a life that was deeply entrenched in the scriptures. Jesus quoted the scriptures, meditated on the scriptures, wrestled with the scriptures, interpreted the scriptures, found his identity in the scriptures, built his ethics on the scriptures, and framed his world in the story scriptures tell. So how do we reconcile all of that baggage that we have with the Bible with our desire to also follow Jesus? So first step, honestly, I think, is to just acknowledge before God, before others, what do we truly think and feel? Just be honest. Those are some questions to kickstart that process. The second thing you'll see on that handout is Lectio Divina. It's a really brief summary of Lectio Divina, and this is a, a, a way, a contemplative way of opening up your scripture and engaging it, being with Jesus as you read. If you want a longer version than what I have on the handout, you can Google it and you can find many different um, more instructions, but I actually kept it simple for a reason. My, my high school soccer coach used to always say to us, keep it simple, stupid, right? Kiss, keep it simple, stupid. Um, I'm, not gonna, I'm just going to say keep it simple because that's more polite. Um, but the version I kept was simple, and I did that because I don't want it to be intimidating for you as you engage it. Essentially what Lectio Divina is, it's, it's a way of intentionally, as Abby said, right, we all come with varying degrees and expectations when we come to the Bible with Jesus or when we read the Bible. But to come to it intentionally with an openness, um, Lectio Divina is a great tool for that. And so it starts with stillness, silence, finding a quiet space, getting comfortable, stilling your mind, stilling your body. Somewhere where there's not a lot of craziness, could be early in the morning, just wherever you can find that space. And then um, moving to uh, read or lectio, slowly read notice. So as you read the text, and you can do this with any 
ver- any passage in the Bible. Slow, but slowly read it. Go over it and over again and look for something that kind of pops out to you as you do. Just kind of look for something that jumps out. So read slowly and notice and then spend some time in reflection. Look for a meaning, God, what are you speaking to me? What are you saying? That uh, Hagah, right? That idea of like growling over wrestling with. Um, and then respond. Um, it could be silent prayer. Just, just an honest prayer before God. God, thank you for speaking this to me. God, I don't understand this. God, this frustrates me. This concerns me. Um, honest prayer. And then last, just rest. Um, be with. Listen. Enjoy. Just finish there. God, you're with me. Thank you for speaking with me. Thank you for your word. Just rest. Enjoy. Um, and so that's a tool. Um, last, uh, or not last, second to last, Bible study. Um, this is just a list of things. These are a real intro, like, because it's important to understand our hearts. Like, we're, we are invited to read the Bible with our hearts, but we're also invited to read the Bible with our minds. The Bible Project, what is the Bible series, is a good, like, five-minute videos each to just kind of start with. Um, uh, getting a decent Bible background commentary, getting even a a study Bible, the NIV cultural backgrounds commentary, the ESV study Bible. Those are Bibles with like notes on the margins. Those are just like great places to start with Bible study. Um, The last way that we can do this is through memorization of scripture. Again, uh, this is something that Jesus did. Um, When we harness God's truth in our minds, through meditation, through reflection, through memorization, it becomes both a realized and embodied experience in us. And so some of the ways you can do that is an index card, like real OG index card. Um, you could use your, your phone and your um, head, headphones, record yourself and listen to it back. Um, make it visible, like tape it somewhere, somewhere in your car, somewhere in your bathroom mirror, somewhere you're looking every day. Um, through repetitive writing. So those are all some ways you can engage us. So I'd invite you this week um, to jump into the pool, um, to set some time aside. You don't have to start with an hour a day. You can start with 15 minutes. You can start with 20 minutes. But um, engaging our Bibles, reading our Bibles with Jesus, and all of us could do that. Hallelujah. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you that when you walk alongside us, we come with all sorts of baggage, with all sorts of inadequacies, with all sorts of frustration, doubt, cynicism, God, but you graciously walk with us and have the capacity to open up the scripture to us, God. And so we long for hearts, that are burning as we respond in worship in great joy to the gift that is scripture. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You're listening to the official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at www.wellchurchvt.com.